0: This episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can head to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly and get bonus content multiple times per week. Thank you to everyone who supports the show, and I look forward to meeting more of you soon. Americans are obsessed with being the best. Collectively, we love the idea of a canon a concrete list of things that are good and important. Adding something to this list gives us free license to rhapsodize about it and elevate it to greatness despite its flaws. But for me, as someone who comes from a different cultural background and doesn't give a shit about the quote unquote canon, I always thought this idea was bogus. The canon is how we ended up with classic rock radio in high school that only teach the works of dead white guys. I think I've been pretty clear about my stance on this, what with my rejection of scores and numbered lists, etc. But let me reiterate, the canon can bite my fucking back, dude. So given the way that I feel, you can imagine my dismay at seeing how deeply ingrained this mindset is amongst fans of music and video games. Appreciators of these mediums love to make lists and debate who's the best, with these conversations often devolving into ugly rhetoric or juvenile nihilism. What these precocious 13-year-olds, and their older-in-age-but-even-younger-at-heart cohorts, don't realize is that this whole approach is more damaging than helpful to the things that they like. In trying to enshrine their favorite works, they've instead entombed them. I think the best illustration of this is the Resident Evil franchise. Now I know it's weird to talk about one of the biggest franchises in gaming as being dead or dying, and to be clear, it's not. But there are certain sections of the franchise that have been deemed off-limits by fans. The period spanning from the late 2000s to the mid-2010s is largely seen as the bad years of the Resident Evil franchise, the time when the series lost its way and became a bizarre parody of itself, devolving into weird knockoff Michael Bay action heroics and clunky online focused gameplay. It's a criticism that is not without merit. As we've discussed previously on the show, Resident Evil 5 is a mess, and I really don't think anyone should play it. However, it seems that the criticism of that game has seeped out into other entries of the franchise. Obviously, people like to talk shit about Resident Evil 6, which is generally seen as the low point of the entire series. But, as you've even heard on this very show, some of that criticism has splashed back onto a game that is generally seen as one of the high points of the series Resident Evil 4. The point of today's episode is to try and figure out what exactly is going on here. We'll be looking at Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 6 to see how a series goes from its most critically acclaimed entry to one that critics and fans agree is a total clunker. Personally, I set out to make this episode to see if the things that people say about these games really rang true with me, or if it's just a case of an unfairly earned bad reputation? Let's find out. At this point, I think that the Resident Evil games are as much about the way they're perceived as the way that they're played. Capcom themselves have been on this quest to remake and re-release as much of the series as possible and sort of create their own new Resident Evil canon. And, you know, it's had its ups and downs. The Resident Evil 2 remake was widely praised. Pretty much everybody loved it. And with good reason, you know. It's a great game that's based on a great game. Yet, when they approach an entry in the series that's maybe a little bit more divisive with Resident Evil 3, they actually were hit with a lot of backlash. We discussed it previously on the show, but to me, it kind of revealed the many strange opinions and interpretations that surround the Resident Evil series. Overnight with the release of the Resident Evil 3 Remake, suddenly everybody's favorite Resident Evil was basically a weird spin-off side story that had a lot of wonky mechanics and to me was never really in the top tier of the series. It kind of made me pause and wonder if most, if not all, of the conventional wisdom surrounding the series is kind of bullshit. This feeling was only heightened when we had that conversation about Resident Evil 4 on this show. Now, for me personally, I'll be honest, that conversation sucked. Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games, and I really had a fun time replaying it. I just wanted to chat about Resident Evil 4, and instead I ended up defending it for the entire episode, which was just not fun. Now, interestingly, when I was first hit with the Resident Evil 4 sucks argument, uh, you know, I was taken aback. But It kind of made me think back to the first time I heard someone say, Castlevania IV sucks. You know, to me, both of those statements are really wild, hot takes. But you can sort of see where they come from and the mindset that produced them. You know, in a series like Castlevania, it was really obvious. There was this original run of games that were very much in a classic 8-bit style. People had become very, very attached to that style and thought that there was something really profound within there. And any change to that was bad. I think the same thing is more or less happening with the Resident Evil series. There's now kind of like three or four phases of the Resident Evil series and people who staunchly defend and ride super hard for that first phase are really slowly becoming the dinosaurs of the Resident Evil fandom. Now, I am a dinosaur. I am literally a million years old, so of course, I love those original Resident Evil games. Especially Resident Evil 2. I mean, I think the original Resident Evil 2, for its time, its mechanics, what it set out to do, is maybe a perfect game. But. I have always felt like the Resident Evil series has always been about two things. It's been about goofy fun. I mean, from the jump, the series is dumb, goofy, and ridiculous. And it's always been about innovation. The series has really never stood still for very long. Like I said, I think maybe they get into phases where there are very prevalent styles that become the norm for the series, but they're always looking towards what's next. They're always trying to change and innovate and try something new. Now maybe because I am old enough to have played pretty much all these games as they came out, I have a little bit of a different perspective on the series. So as much as I love Resident Evil 2, I never expected the series to just keep being Resident Evil 2 forever. I mean you only had to play Resident Evil 3 at that time in the late 90s to sort of get the feeling that they were already tired of the formula. They wanted to change things. They wanted things to become more action oriented and more exciting. The follow-up to Resident Evil 3 was, of course, Resident Evil Code Veronica. And that little corner of the series is also kind of weird and confusing in its own way. Apparently, Resident Evil 3 was supposed to be a spin-off and not a numbered entry in the series. And Code Veronica was supposed to be a numbered main entry in the series. And management at Capcom basically made them swap them. Now these two games actually kind of rank low in the series tier list for me and the main reason being that i think they're both moving towards the style of resident evil 4. it's taking classic survival horror amping it up making it more action oriented but the mechanics in 3 and 4 simply don't support this idea you know the games just aren't as fun to play They're not as polished and well-balanced as something like Resident Evil 2. And they kind of end up being a bit of a mess. Both games also have points where they're just asking a little bit too much of the player. I'm thinking specifically of that airplane fight in Code Veronica. If you know, you know. I think all of that lead-up is what makes Resident Evil 4 so, so special to me. Resident Evil 4 is a game explicitly where the team stopped trying to make something that was scary and instead just tried to make a game that was fun. I mean, those are the words of Shinji Mikami, more or less. And I think that that's really the strength of Resident Evil 4. It's just a really fun game. But playing it again now, I was really pleasantly surprised to see how much classic survival horror is really in its DNA. Resident Evil 4 is a very slow and deliberate game. You know, your character moves slow. You can't move and aim or move and shoot. You have to stop, decide what you're going to do, and make a decisive action. Everything around you is also moving at the same speed. You know, the game's enemies seem like they are quick and aggressive, but they're really not. Once they get close to you, they slow down and they also have to stop and decide what they're going to do. The game likes to use presentation clues to make you think that you're playing a really, like, hot-blooded action game, but you never really are. You're always kind of stuck in that slow-moving, hyper-deliberate, strategic survival horror mode of combat. And the game's controls and systems are all tuned perfectly to support that. You know, like I mentioned in that episode, I kind of think it's like the first mono-genre game, and so it has that great loop of just, you know, combat, exploration, upgrade. Combat, exploration, upgrade, repeat. It's very finely tuned in that way, but it's also very finely tuned in another way, which is as a horror experience. One of the frustrating things about that episode, too, is that I was just constantly arguing for Resident Evil 4 as a horror game. And I think that, once again, this is where I started to wonder about people's views of the series and how they affect their views of individual games. Looking back at the first few Resident Evil games, I think that those games are really front-loaded in terms of horror You know, there are some really, really good set pieces meant to unsettle you or jump scare you within the first couple of hours. After that, there are maybe tense moments where you are outnumbered by zombies and you're feeling overwhelmed. But by the time you get to the last third of the game, generally most of that stuff has fallen away and you're just doing kind of pure action-adventure exploration gameplay. I think that people's memories of those first couple hours, and I would say it's about pretty much any survival horror game, people's memories of those first couple hours almost override the reality of what those games were, which is a lot of times they kind of lacked punch they didn't have a really quote-unquote scary or even tense experience that was evenly divided across the game's entire playtime. You were really looking at a very finely crafted first couple hours with the rest of it being just like a decent action-adventure video game experience. Now for a series of games like Resident Evil, which have always been a hybrid of action and horror, I think Resident Evil 4 is actually a perfect hybrid, and at the time it was a really amazing innovation. Resident Evil 4 creates tension and horror through a few different means. The most obvious is the way it creates tension. You know, the game loves to swarm you with enemies who slowly and ominously move towards you and are always just on the verge of taking you down. That slow, deliberate game speed and style, I think, is really, really special. It's easy to overlook, but if you really just kind of like match the game's flow and get into its tempo, you're really in for a treat. You know, there's something just so ominous and horrible about the way that enemies approach you and about the way that the combat almost seems to happen in this nightmarish slow motion. The game also applies classic survival horror techniques like item scarcity, for example, in order to up that tension. You may find yourself in the middle of a firefight that's going well, but if you run out of ammo, well, it's back to your knife and running around a lot. The enemies also famously can just explode into horrible tentacle monsters at any moment. The game is just always trying to keep you on your toes and keep you guessing. It doesn't want you to know what's coming next. And in the context of an action game, that's a pretty good way to build tension. Now, I might argue that an even bigger aspect of the game that makes it just such a pure horror experience are the aesthetics one look at the game you can see that it's all this kind of old european gothic look that would be more at home in a fromsoft game than your average resident evil game it's really stark and different when compared to the rest of the series i think up until this point there were two distinct aesthetics that people would have mostly associated with the resident evil series one being the kind of classic american gothic look like old mansions with weird statues there's something kind of homey about it but also very dark and mysterious the other aesthetic would be a kind of 90s sci-fi horror vibe you know gleaming steel labs that have been covered over in splashes of gore, etc. Resident Evil 4 goes in an almost completely different direction. It's like this high gothic, old castles, old villages, ancient architecture, huge devotional sculptures, stained glass, things like that. And it really, really fits the game well. Both in the way that it tries to up the horror, but also in the way that it ups the campiness of it. Resident Evil 4 is a ridiculous and campy game. I can't defend all of it because a bunch of it is just pointlessly sexist. And some of it is just so eye-rollingly stupid that there's no reason to even pay attention to it. But remember gamers, you can always skip cutscenes. God gave rock and roll to you. You can skip cutscenes. Remember that, okay? On the flip side of that though, Resident Evil 4 in some ways feels more horrible, dreadful, and serious than most other games in the series. And that's because of some other really peculiar aesthetic choices made in this game that I absolutely love. The big one is the sound. like whoever made these decisions is such a madman and also a genius. Like, the sound in this game is bonkers, okay? So, for a lot of the game, when you're just exploring or doing whatever, there is silence. Almost deafening silence at times. You find yourself listening very intently to all the sounds that are happening around you, regardless of how insignificant they are. But then when things start to pick up, this sort of really strange dark ambient music will kind of fade in, almost as if to suggest something horrible is about to happen and strictly to build tension within the game. Once said horrible thing does happen, the music doesn't actually shift gears that much. It's all strange, atonal, dark ambient madness. You know, sometimes there's percussion or other elements that come in to make it sound a little bit more like traditional action movie or action game music. But it's all very dark, very noisy, and very, very, very weird. I mean, considering that the rest of the series had pretty traditional, kind of 80s, straight-to-video horror-type music in it, It's a really strange and almost shocking departure. I think that sort of counterpoint between the heavy action happening on screen and the really strange, minimalist sound is something that I've always loved about Resident Evil 4 and I think is super, super unique. It really helps to place it within the horror genre. I think that kind of juxtaposition has also helped place other games within the horror canon. I mean, just off the top of my head, I know that like *Near Automata is a game that likes to pull that same trick, and so does Dark Souls. In Dark Souls it's even more stripped down, you know, a lot of times it is just silence and sound effects, for example, but I definitely get similar vibes from both games. Playing Resident Evil 4 again now, I really do think that Dark Souls owes a lot to it, both in the aesthetics, but also that use of sound to build tension and create dread. You know, it's something that's been talked about in other games, too, you know, people love to examine the different reissues of Doom, like on the N64 and PS1, for example that made tweaks specifically to the sound and presentation to make the game have more of a dark, ominous horror feel. You really can't underrate the sound of a game in terms of amping up the horror and delivering something that's really like a true horror experience. And I think that Resident Evil 4 absolutely nails that. Playing it again now and paying attention to that is such a treat, and I highly recommend it. I think another reason why I'm so attached to Resident Evil 4 is that despite how influential it was and still is, it's kind of its own little cul-de-sac of the series. After Resident Evil 4 was of course Resident Evil 5, which we talked about at length. A game that took Resident Evil 4 and sort of perverted its systems to make something that was ultimately just not good. The balance in that game is so off. As we discussed in that episode, you know, the enemies don't seem to match your movement style or speed. You're constantly outflanked and outgunned, and it makes an experience that just isn't fun. The balance is also off in the aesthetics. The game makes no overtures towards being tense, scary, or even horror at all. Combine this with the just foul representations of Africa and people from Africa, and you've got a game that just flat out fucking sucks. And it's easy to point the finger at Resident Evil 4 for that and say, oh, we got this because of that. But I really don't think that's fair. In more recent years, we've actually seen what people can do with the DNA of Resident Evil 4 in terms of crafting a true spiritual successor. Mikami, who stopped working on Resident Evil games and left Capcom completely shortly after Resident Evil 4, has made the Evil Within series, which are two of my favorite games of all time. And I think really, really take the bones of Resident Evil 4 and make something that's new, envelope-pushing, and truly special. More recently, with the Resident Evil remakes, Capcom has even done the very same thing. And it turns out that applying the basic bones of Resident Evil 4 to a mix of a classic Resident Evil game and a totally modern action game is incredible. The Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes are two of the best games I've played in years. And I'm personally just really excited for whatever else they do in that style. Yet, in between all these extreme highs and extreme lows is a game that I've been pretty curious about for a while now. Whenever people talk about Resident Evil 6, for a long time, I only heard bad things. It's horrible, it's terrible, it's a mess etc. Now I had played a little bit of some other Resident Evil games that came out around the same time, specifically the Revelation series. And although I did somewhat enjoy those games, they are pretty messy. So when people said Resident Evil 6 was a mess, I was prone to believe it. Yet once I actually started looking into it, I was kind of like, you know. This sort of just looks like a prototypical version of those newer remake games. Specifically, a game that tries to take the bones of Resident Evil 4 and just make a fun, over-the-top action horror game out of those basic ideas and systems. So I enlisted my friend Justin to play this game with me. And now you're going to hear us talk about this game let's check it out okay so we played a bunch of resident evil 6
1: too much well maybe that's harsh
0: i think we played the right
1: amount yeah i was gonna say maybe the right amounts better
0: yeah so we played like 15-ish hours right i think Mm -hmm. that's what the play timer said and I think throughout playing it, I sort of discovered what I think Resident Evil 6 is, which is basically just a normal 10-hour Resident Evil game, but with all the alternate and extra modes sort of disguised as story campaigns.
1: Well, in my research, I found something to slightly support that theory. Mm -hmm. So you know how everyone's... Complaining and not complaining, everyone just thought it was funny that there was a hunk stand-in in Ada's campaign. Yeah. That is because Ada's campaign was originally uh gonna be sold as DLC. Sure. That was single player only. And it was also on the disc already. It was one of those situations back when yeah. Capcom loved to do that. Because they changed it from being a mode you could only play once you finish the game to being, like, uh, just a chapter-select thing. Yeah. And they they also had to add in something for a a, a cooperative partner to play. So that's why, like, during cutscenes, that character just goes away and, and all that stuff. It was, like, a really, like, fucky workaround. Yeah. They're they messed up. Well,
0: and I feel like... So, okay, Resident Evil 6, people love to hate it. It's kind of largely regarded as the worst in the series. Um, I've only heard of one or two people speak fondly of it (laughs) but you know when we were sort of inadvertently doing this campaign of playing all the quote-unquote bad Resident Evil games I was like kind of getting excited to try six because it did look kind of cool and people were telling me that it had some virtues and we played the Leon campaign first so the way that Resident Evil 6 is structured is that there are four quote-unquote campaigns each one centers around a different character and the one that's first in the list and that seems like the one you would naturally go to first is leon uh leon's campaign is about 10 hours long it's pretty straight up and it's actually pretty good like i enjoyed playing it especially as like kind of a co-op experience with you you know like we played the whole thing together uh But then when we went to try the other characters' campaigns, which that's all we did. We sort of dabbled in each campaign. And like, they just don't, well, they're bad. They're all very bad. And they don't feel like you need to play them or like they're a part of the main story. They really just all feel like different mercenary modes that had stories and cutscenes and stuff kind of all added in to like zhuzh it up and make it feel bigger than it was
1: yeah I I can't really I haven't had time to sort of piece together the timeline for the game's development but it based on what little I read it really does feel like maybe this game was made around being like the Leon campaign like that was gonna be the game mm-hmm. and then at some point in development they they decided they needed to to make it this whole multi-path weird thing that they did. Yeah. Um, Which the game suffers for tremendously. Because Leon's campaign in 6 is uh, the better 5, I think. Yeah. It just... It's like easy mode 5. It definitely... it It never felt, aside from some weird quick time event stuff, it never felt really challenging like in the way four did and it never felt hard and unfair the way that five would sometimes so it just kind of felt like a, a training wheels version of a five but it was more fun to play I mean you know having oh, 800 yeah. bullets is fun and all that good stuff
0: that's the thing is that Leon's campaign is actually really fun like it's very fast and it's very action oriented and like high
1: octane or whatever a, uh, and it's I think it's like mid-octane. Mid, okay, mid-octane. Because I think the high-octane shit is... That's, that's Chris's campaign and, and the jake uh, yeah
0: Sherry campaign. That's true, but you can run really fast and you can shoot a lot of bullets. Yeah, I yeah, guess well,
1: the, yeah. the control mechanics are definitely the, the same, so all that's still there, but...
0: Yeah, and in that way, it sort of feels more like something later. Like, it feels more like The Evil Within, where... It is a horror game. It clearly has the aesthetics of a horror game and the setting and all that stuff. But it's very action focused and the action is just like fast and fun. And I think that's kind of what I agree with what you're saying earlier that like it fixes what was wrong with Resident Evil 5. To me Resident Evil 5 was basically unplayable because you still had the same movement style and speed as Resident Evil 4 but all the enemies were super jacked up and could... (laughs) <laughs> Run really fast and outflank you <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of shit. And you're just sitting there trying to like reload your shitty little pea shooter while just getting like rocked, you know? Yeah.
1: While people are throwing spears at
0: you. Yeah. While racism is happening all around you. <laughs> well, it's like someone the other day tried to like tried to be like oh the resident evil community says that five is better than six and i think five is better than six and i was like okay first of all no because <laughs> like just because of the fucking aggressive racism uh. in that game <laughs> I, ca- I can't imagine ever recommending that to like another yeah. human unless you are fucking with them like and also yeah just mechanically it's like five doesn't work six works very well you know,
1: it it works very well for Leons. I it didn't have nearly as much fun with the other ones. I did like Pierce's stupid like gigantic tank rifle. Uh, sure, it it did feel good to body like four zombies in a row. But yeah,
0: for sure. But yeah, like the the campaigns. I think once you start playing them, my theory to me it became really apparent. And then yeah, like when I was reading about the development. This is clearly a product of the time when Capcom did not have a lot of confidence. I mean, a lot of Japanese developers didn't just because like all the breakout hits of like that seventh gen. Well, almost all the breakout hits were like Western developed. Um, There were all these sea shifts happening in gaming and a lot of the big Japanese developers like Konami and Capcom... Just lost a lot of confidence started outsourcing to western devs and just generally like second guessing themselves uh you can definitely see that with six that like it's kind of five plus it's also kind of a drastic reinvention of a resident evil game but they kept rolling things back um they took fan input really seriously and there was a lot of changes made based on input of people who tried the demo or saw it at trade shows uh And, like, I guess even just the fact that there are zombies, more traditional zombies in this game, was a reaction to people, you know, saying they wanted that in Resident Evil 5. Um, But, yeah, this game ultimately feels like that. Like, it feels like a weird hodgepodge. Like... That they were trying to react to things fans were saying but also predict what fans wanted and they clearly weren't in touch with the
1: series and there wasn't any like clear vision for what the game is supposed to be okay i feel like this whole a lot of this discussion is going to hinge on the leon campaign yeah but, like i feel like that's just what's worth talking about because otherwise we'll just shit on it for however long um
0: well yeah
1: yeah <laughs> that's accurate it's it's funny you bring up their like confidence with this game. Cause I feel like it was only because of, <laughs> of their confidence in the franchise itself that they did any of this. Like it's, it's a weird, it's, it's just kind of like an oxymoron that they had. Like it's, it's true. I don't think that they had any confidence left to really just do what they wanted, but they were so confident in the brand that they, they, they risked making something they thought would appeal to a mass audience.
0: Well, that was kind of, yeah, that's the story of the seventh gen.
1: It also, and it still withstood it, which is hilarious. Like, despite the fact that this game is so weird, I, it, it doesn't feel like it really hurt the franchise.
0: Yeah. Like, I feel that that's kind of the whole story of the seventh gen, especially for Japanese developers. Like, they were trying to react to this sudden sea shift in gaming where things were trying to be blockbusters. There was suddenly mainstream appeal. There was this whole new demographic of people playing video games that Japanese devs certainly had not really been thinking of, you know, especially before like Resident Evil 4 in this specific case. And so they were trying to react to that. And so they were making all these weird decisions, but then once the product was finished and they were trying to release it, they were kind of just like whole hog, like, yes, this is it. This is the series. And I think that's kind of why this whole era of Resident Evil games has such a strong reaction from fans, like either positive or negative, because it was them saying this is what the series is. And then fans are sort of asked to kind of vote with their dollar like do they agree do they disagree that's why you get such strong reactions to like this whole generation but especially horror games around this time
1: i don't know if anyone's gonna vote with their dollar on resident evil i feel like it just makes money you know uh six did not meet
0: its sales projections though like it was considered somewhat of a failure
1: it sold 9.8 million copies (laughs) but it didn't okay I, I guess i misread that as being like it sold the most yeah no like, yeah that's a lot of copies of a game
0: well yeah i mean when you get into the sort of big leagues with anything like even a flop sells a lot of copies and makes a lot of money but you know i mean
1: assuming it they all sold at full price that's 588 million dollars
0: <laughs> yeah For sure. But, like, you can bet that, like, we got Seven at least partially as a reaction to them viewing Six as somewhat of a failure. Not a flop by any means, but, like, you know, like somewhat of a failure. A lot of this episode is about fan reactions to Resident Evil games and how fans' perception of certain games or the series itself kind of colors that game's legacy. And I think with five, I was curious to play it because I hadn't really. And I was like, no, this is correct. Like this game is horrible. People saying this game sucks are, are pretty much spot on. But with six, I don't think it really earns its reputation. Like I think a lot of the hate for this game and the view of this game as a failure comes from people having kind of a distorted view of the series. And like, I think there is a good, fun game in here. It's just somewhat buried beneath a lot of strange decisions.
1: I would bet that it's a mixture of just people's perception of the series and the, the, the ability you have to go into any of those chapters and how yeah. you can't you can't know who's going to start where cuz you know you could be like us and be like let's start at the top one yeah but, you know like a lot of people might just kind of pick their favorite character or they might play an hour or two of like one campaign and then back out of it and start another one and sure. kind of hop around and i think i think the majority of the people must not have like fully played through leon's campaign and then gone to the next one because i think if they would have done that they would have remembered it being a little better than they do because everyone yeah. just says it's a pile of shit which is uh, half half true
0: maybe ish
1: <laughs> like because i feel just based off what we played i want to say that the bulk of that game's total length is leon's campaign
0: yeah so i guess most estimations put it at like 30 hours to play through everything and leon's campaign took us about 10 hours so yeah i mean it's the main chunk of the game and the way the game is structured is so yeah if you do go down the list and play through each campaign fully basically you play leon's campaign that shows you the whole story timeline Resident Evil 6 it's a closed off storyline it's kind of like a one-shot but other characters drop in and drop out and so you sort of get this feeling that oh if I play the other characters stories I get to see what happens in the margins and around what's going on in Leon's campaign and that's true so next you can go to Chris and you can see this whole other scenario and like Chris's kind of backstory before the game starts uh, and then there's another campaign that's, you know, uh, J- his character named Jake. I don't know why he's top-billed, because, like, Sherry Birkin is there, and that's a character that people actually know. Uh, that's, like, another because, weird, weird because because Troy
1: Baker, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Troy Baker. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's why, dude. He got top bill on the medium, and he's fucking just, like, a voice on a phone.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but, yeah, and then there's Ada's campaign and like you said I mean Ada's campaign really feels like the least essential uh, it's very weird and different in in the gameplay style compared to the other campaigns and it's not it's not really built for co-op it's very skippable I guess is what I'm trying to say
1: unless you're horny for whitewashed um, East Asian women I guess yeah for some reason they made Ada white um, they made her extremely white and also naked half the time
0: yeah it's like the same animation of her like bursting out of the back of something that they use like six times and she's always (laughs) naked
1: it is hysterical to watch her like emerge from some weird fucking xenomorph cocoon and then she also does the exact same thing out of a dive suit except she's not covered in slime
0: yeah yeah
1: like frame for frame the same like emergence it's It's yeah, it's It's really awful.
0: Yeah, it's fucking stupid. I mean, and that's, I mean, this game, it like, don't get me wrong, this game is stupid as fuck. Like, (laughs) the story is peak Resident Evil in the sense that it makes zero fucking sense, and people just keep throwing acronyms at you and making references to things that you have no clue about, like, just because you're not fucking paying attention and it makes no sense
1: yeah like i'm i know that we we played together so we're usually like cutting up or whatever and not pull like paying full attention to what's going on but nothing was happening that was worth paying attention to really yeah like we like all these stories have been told how many times is some shady corporation or the government gonna fling a bbw at you and and you have to fight it
0: yeah oh my god yeah like that
1: that stands for big bioweapon by the way
0: yes big beautiful bioweapon it's (laughs) bbbw actually um yeah there's (laughs) um, there's like so many fucking acronyms there's like bsaa bow
1: fucking i mean for what it's worth the bsaa is the organization that chris was working with in five and i'm assuming still working with in six
0: you think I fucking paid attention to the plot in five? I'm just
1: like, I'm just telling you as your like closest Resident Evil knowledge base, I guess. Oh yeah, no, I appreciate it. I'm or as the person who knows anything about those fucking that era between yeah, the two yeah. of us.
0: Oh yeah, no, you're definitely the seventh gen correspondent, like confirmed. But which I, I'm starting to regret. But that's. It. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like it's just it's just such a mess and even like the game opens with this scene that feels like out of nowhere of like Leon having to shoot the president and the president is like his best friend. And it's like, (laughs) what, (laughs) what did I miss? Like, I know I missed Uh, something, but I don't know where I should have seen that or what the fuck that, that was
1: like, I think the, the thing that gets me about that whole scene is that we've, had two different story arcs in which Leon has had to mow down just hordes of things. But the second he sees the president turn into what is obviously a zombie, he like locks up. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, you have to stop now. I mean, you know what he is,
0: dude, (laughs) dude, the whole intro to Leon's campaign has that problem so bad. Like they meet up with this, This dad who's looking for his daughter finds his daughter. She's so clearly a Zomboni, and they're just like in the elevator, and he's like, Is she okay? okay? And it's like, Leon, (laughs) fucking (laughs) Yeah. Bro, you've seen this exact thing happen like a billion times. Like, give me a break. But (laughs) yeah, like the story is really fucking stupid and it's it's very inessential. And I think that's that's why I think it doesn't work when the game tries to mask the fact that it's just one campaign with a bunch of mercenary modes behind this sort of, like, sprawling, you know, intersecting multi-arc story.
1: Because it's like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah, that, you know? That just... I, I feel like, as we're, like, unpacking this, it's really just becoming clear to me that they definitely started with just whatever their vision for this leon story was and they had to scrap parts of it to fit it into someone's will whether that was like capcom or or someone on like the higher ups in the dev team but like i really liked that weird tutorial open that wraps into like the the last chunk of the campaign like you circle back to it yeah yeah totally like i thought thematically that was neat and i think generally his campaign for the most part until you get to china vaguely i guess wherever you are i I think it's another fake country i think that's all they do in these games is make up countries yeah but i think until you get then it feels a lot more like resident evil 2 or something like that which is probably what you want in a in a leon story Like there are parts of his campaign that feel like very intentional and not at all bad, and the parts where they start to really drag are the parts where they had to find ways to intersect everyone else's campaigns. Yes, and then all those other campaigns are just like, like they're all linear. But generally speaking, I think Leon's campaign felt a little more like it it felt like more of a world that you're in, and then when you get to like Chris and Jake's, they just feel like weird hallways carved into a mountain. Yeah. Where you're waiting for something that's 40 feet tall to like jump out and try to kill you. So you can hop on a, on a turret and start mowing it down.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about Leon's campaign, especially in contrast to those other campaigns. Um, because, okay, Leon's campaign has a really distinct feel to it. Uh It's, you know, Resident Evil 4 style vaguely. It's over-the-shoulder action, exploration. But kind of like you're hinting at, it has a lot more elements of classic survival horror in it. Like, the pace slows down from time to time. There are some exploration moments. There are some puzzle moments. None of them are really, like as intense as like the first two resident evil games or something but they are there to slow the pace down a little bit and the gameplay on a basic level feels really good and is just like good you know like it feels a lot more like resident evil 2 or resident evil 3 remake where like You can move quickly. You're a lot more agile. You have a lot of movement options. And you also have like hand to hand combat options. Like, you're generally not like a classic survival horror protagonist who's sort of helpless and always dying.
1: Which is, I mean, that's like appropriate because at this point he's been doing this for years. Yeah. So he absolutely should be able to just like spin kick a a zombie in the head. Yeah. You kind of. I don't know if it's something you like everyone would want out of the experience, but I think part of your brain like expects to, to be able to, to do all that stuff. Like the way that I wanted Chris to be able to just punch a zombie in the chest and explode it. Yeah. Because that's in keeping with the world they built. Like, yeah. Leon being able to sprint and move and shoot and all that stuff like feels, it it almost feels thematically appropriate, even though it was obviously a, just a gameplay choice.
0: Yeah. Well, and I I just thought that basic gameplay was really really fun. Like, yeah, running around karate and karateing zombies is super fun. Doing it co-op was even more fun. Like, we were always like watching each other do wrestling moves and shit, and being <laughs> like, dude, that was awesome. Like,
1: yeah, I like the I like having the unique secondary weapons. Like, I mm-hmm. think you got to you got the knife that you had in four, and uh, Helena has a. A different shotgun,
0: <laughs> yeah. That like it's this
1: a- unique ammunition that's like a little like get, it's her get off me weapon, yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, like that stuff's fun. Being able to do the like the three hit combos are fun. I liked all those segments where like you'd have like fifteen zombies burst through the windows and just kind of shamble at you, and you get to kind of just go at them because they they're yeah. generally pretty slow. They're because they are very much. Early Resident Evil style zombies that just sort of shamble around and they may kind of like lunge walk at you, but they're never, they're, their heads are never exploding into giant spiders and stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that the thing that I really like about it is that it just works and it's fun to play. And I think that the thing that I've been harping on for like basically the entire time that I've been doing this show is that like Resident Evil games can be action games. Like, I don't understand where the idea came from that Resident Evil games are these like slow, atmospheric games. Because even the ones that had that as an element in them, like the first two games, were also action games. Like, by the end of those games, you were just mowing down a bunch of zombies and firing off rocket launchers and like doing all this shit. Like it's within the DNA of the series. And for my money, I think that the worst games in the series are the ones where they try to do that, but the mechanics can't keep up. And this game doesn't have that problem at all. Like it's actually very fun to play because the mechanics are just super solid. Like, and that's why I would compare it more to something like evil within or even like, The Resident Evil 3 remake where it's just like it's just an action game and it's really fun like it's not as good as either of those games but it also came out you know five years before one and like 10 years before the other so it's kind of like I mean you have to give some credit I guess to like this game being so early and nailing some of those things that would be like real hallmarks of this style of game later you know
1: yeah I mean I think the a thing that sort of defends your argument that they've always sort of been action games is that if the original pillar Resident Evil games were straight up survival horror games, they would not be giving you seven different weapons yeah you would not you would not be finding the shit you're finding you would you would you would get a couple here and there, but you you like yeah, you wouldn't literally end up with with a rocket to blow up the tyrant, you wouldn't be going on a side quest to get Barry's hand cannon. Yeah. The action part is very much, like, part of the DNA, and I think the only reason it wasn't a more prevalent part of the early games is because they just had to make their choices with the hardware limitations. Yeah. Did you play 2 Remake, 3 Remake, and those games have like fairly well married action gameplay with like a stressful horror game in a way that I guess you couldn't really do on like the PlayStation so yeah for
0: sure well that that's always been my view of it the reason why I'm more willing to give these games a try why I'm always more excited to jump into them is yeah I do feel like they connect to the DNA of the original series like I think if you look at a series like Silent Hill I think the reason that the seventh gen silent hill games are a little more contentious at least for me personally is like when you just jump in and there's like heavy combat it's like oh this is not silent hill like yeah silent hill had combat but it wasn't a main part of the game it wasn't like a main like mechanic of the game it's very different when a game gives you like a stick and you can use it the whole game versus yeah. something like resident evil where it's like yeah the guns are important the combat is important it's central to the game and its identity
1: i mean yeah and in resident evil you're a you're a special operations police officer you're a swat you're a swat team member basically yeah super pig if not more advanced than a swat team member yeah you are you are the megazord version of a of a pig um (laughs) and you know in silent hill you're just a dude or a, a woman have there any? Have there been any female leads in Silent Hill games? Yeah, Silent Hill Three. That's right. Uh, God damn! <laughs> How did I drop the ball on that one? Mostly dudes then, though. Um, I mean,
0: I think this this uh, the I'm a dude, she's a dude, he's a dude rule sure. applies uh-huh. here. But yeah, sure, I sure. I see your point. Continue. But
1: yeah, they're just people, and you find a golf club, and the combat is not a focal point. You can run away from a lot of enemies, and like you're just a person using a thing you found to defend yourself yeah killing things isn't thematically the point whereas in resident evil it very much is you're very much trying to put down all the flesh-eating zombies you're trying to stop birkin from leveling everything as a giant eyeball monster like all that stuff like the action is is core to that game in a way that it isn't for like silent hill or like fatal frame or something like that
0: yeah and i think i mean not to like derail too hard into talking about classic survival horror but (laughs) there really are like two brands of classic survival horror that on the ps2 era kind of started to mutate and like i guess no pun intended because this game is all about fucking mutating dudes but uh (laughs) like the one branch is the resident evil branch and that's what turned into resident evil 4 which then led to all the games that resident evil 4 inspired including this game and later Evil Within, etc., etc. But the other branch is like the more Silent Hill kind of path. And that's where you have games like Yeah, Silent Hill, Fatal Frame. And later in the PS2 era, you have these games that totally remove combat. Thinking of stuff like Clock Tower 3 and uh Haunting Grounds, in a lesser sense, maybe Siren, just because Siren has combat, but it's so fucking ineffective that like you really need to just develop all your other skills and the guns are all absolutely horrendous. (laughs) Like, it's not a game where you fight. That's like a pure survival type of game. And yeah, I think Resident Evil, even like in that PS2 era, before they got fully into that zone with Resident Evil 4 and the later games, was hinting that that's what they wanted to do. And like, that's why I'm not a big fan of Resident Evil 3 or Code Veronica, because to me they both feel like games where they wanted to make an exciting action game but they just didn't have their shit together they didn't have the mechanics figured out so like playing Code Veronica to me personally is a very frustrating experience because you're just like fuck I just want to shoot these fucking guys like why do I have tank controls why do I have shitty guns like what is the point of this you know it's not like going back and playing Resident Evil 2 where it's like oh these mechanics make sense with this gameplay everything
1: feels of a piece and it's a good game you know would you play a code veronica remake in the style of uh two or three?
0: Oh, absolutely okay. yeah i've i would be the most hyped for that just like i was for three because like i said i'm not the biggest fan of the original game so like i love three remake i thought it was fucking rad it's like oh yeah like I am going to eventually go back and play 3 just to do sort of like an episode on comparisons between Resident Evil games, but like, I'm not exactly excited to. Way more excited to play a new remake
1: of it. I mean, I definitely, I played Code Veronica, but I I definitely wasn't like hyped for it or anything like that. Was it popular enough to warrant um, the remake treatment? Or do you think it just like doesn't have the, the branding and like selling power that a, a main numbered entry in that franchise would have if you if you remade it today? Well, I would say
0: it does as much as 3 does, because Code Veronica was really supposed to be the real Resident Evil 3. Um, and Resident Evil 3 was supposed to be a side story, originally. And basically, Capcom stepped in and did some meddling and fucked that up for everybody. So, Code Veronica is kind of like the real Resident Evil 3, and Honestly, Code Veronica was on so many systems. Like, it was on Dreamcast, PS2, um, GameCube. Like, everybody who wanted to play that game played that game. I think a lot of people play that game. And even for me, I have some, like, fond memories of playing it. Even though any time I've tried to return to it, I've been like, this is kind of horrible. Um, But, yeah, I think, I totally think it would. I would, I almost would expect that before 3 if it you know three wasn't chronologically an earlier game in the series
1: yeah i mean they're also hard at work on four remakes so maybe that just means we'll never get a code veronica remake
0: yeah that would be a bummer the two remakes that i want the most are code veronica and dino crisis (laughs) nice
1: i love dino crisis dude get a bundle get a bundle going that would be so sick like two discs Put it oh. out in a double-thick case the way that old like dual-disc or multi-disc oh, games yeah. used to come in. Really just get that nostalgic factor going. PS1 style. Get the thing where it's like the front of the case is the cover for Code Veronica and the back of the case is the cover for Dino Crisis. Oh,
0: so sick. Oh my god.
1: That's that big funny. Yeah
0: limited run hello i have oh, an god, idea you. no
1: it would be four hundred dollars and then it would sell out in a microsecond and then people would be selling it on ebay for seven grand
0: yeah that's why i don't own any of that stuff
1: <laughs> um, never gonna get that hyperlight drifter lp
0: oh yeah that's okay i mean how many god how many records is that on five six jesus Christ. it's on four. Oh, okay that's a lot <laughs> yeah yeah it is um but yeah like I feel like the series was going in this direction and I think what five was missing besides the mechanic mismatch that made me very frustrated with it and once again the racism
1: Uh, can't can't really drive home no the racism
0: yeah Uh uh-huh I think what five lacked was just the aesthetic and the vibe of a Resident Evil oh yeah and Six, in Leon's campaign, which we'll talk about the other ones soon, but in Leon's campaign, Six has it. Like, it's that mix of sort of classic, kind of gothic horror settings and modern, like, city settings.
1: Yeah, I mean, in parts, you're, you're basically in a Raccoon City stand-in essentially yes. um and then in other parts you're in something that feels pretty pretty similar to like um like the spencer mansion or or certain areas and in, in the later and like two or three um yeah like they like the like the church building you go into, like those like those areas have a similar feel to just the playstation one era in general for those games Yeah, like the way those environments were modeled and felt like when you're playing like Parasite Eve or or Resident Evil 2 or uh, anything like that. Like it feels a lot like those games. The only the only parts I didn't really love aesthetically were when you I don't remember how we transitioned from somewhere in North America to China, but that does happen. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, the underground bits weren't really my favorite, but ultimately all that stuff felt or at least the underground bits still felt somewhat familiar because of 4. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of 4, I feel like there's a lot of... I feel like they literally copy and pasted some textures from 4. Not <laughs> not necessarily in, like... They didn't look like they were from a previous generation, like, quality-wise, but they just literally looked like the same texture, just upscaled. Like, the same, like, boulder and, like, rusted whatever textures and stuff. Oh, Yeah. So for better or worse, it it felt familiar.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, some of the things that aren't great about this campaign and that you have to sort of expect, given that it's getting to be almost 10 years old now, and it's like from a generation that had some questionable decisions that were popular at the time, like there are things that don't work in this game. So like there's hella fucking uh, QTEs. Mm, Jeez Louise but there's also like hella checkpoints so it's like annoying yeah. but you can get through it very easily like I never failed a QTE and got
1: like sent back too far you know yeah but that stuff ultimately shows the weakness of a quick time event oh yeah because if, if you know they're so unnecessary and unexpected and frustrating that you you checkpoint directly before them then they just don't need to be there oh yeah like, no, I just I don't know who amongst us, the consumers, was just clamoring for those shits to the point where <laughs> they were everywhere. Every yeah. game had them. Every single genre had quick time events. I bet you, you could play a baseball game and there'd be quick time events.
0: Yeah. Well, and they're still around somehow. <sighs> like... It feels like their era is over, but then it's like, I mean, that Spider-Man game on PS4 had them, but you could just, you got an option to just auto-complete all of them, which I absolutely turned on. I think Days Gone had the same thing, where, like, you could just turn on an option to auto-complete, but it's like, why are they even in the game, then?
1: I feel like uh, Last of Us had... Yeah. That was, like, a lot of of smash-to-get-free type... I... I hate any of that stuff. I hate any game that wants you to just literally bash a button as fast as you can to get out of something. Oh yeah. Especially yeah. when they don't telegraph how fast you actually need to do it. Cause you your assumptions always hammer it as quickly as you can. But there are a lot of situations where you find out that you just like can very slowly, consistently tap it and it tracks just as fast. Yeah. I'm like, great, I'm literally destroying my controller because they insisted on the absolute worst gameplay mechanic ever devised.
0: Oh yeah. Well to me it's just always flashbacks to fucking Mario Party. And like <laughs> we oh, had was
1: Mario Party the uh, original offender.
0: Oh yeah. Mario Party invented qte's 100%. Damn. Um yeah, we had Mario Party back in the day. And my sister, my sister is still like just loves the first Mario Party. It's the only one we had and the only one we played. Like we never even played anything else in the series. But like We played hours and hours and hours and hours of the first Mario Party and she was so, like, freakishly competitive that she wrecked controllers, she'd, like, wreck her hands and, like, I remember one of the last times that we actually, like, pulled it out and played it was, like, when my niece and nephew were really young and my sister was, like, doing one of the rotate-the-stick games, and she did it so fast that she, like, broke the skin on her palm and started, like, bleeding everywhere. Oh. And then, like, both of the kids just started freaking out, like, screaming and crying. And, uh, honestly, it was so hilarious. But it also sucked because we had to, like, comfort them and be like, your mom's okay, it's totally fine. She just put on a Band-Aid, but, like... That's all I think of when I play these games. It's just
1: like, that's what they want. I mean, it's a testament to the quality of those controllers that it didn't break the stick before it broke her hand. Oh, yeah. But she she definitely
0: trashed. We like had a controller that we made her use back in the day because it was like, mom and dad are not going to buy us another one and you're going to wear this thing out. And she totally did. Like A, B, triggers, stick, all just like totally shot. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Yeah, that shit sucks. Like, why are they still put like, even if you give me an option to turn on to auto-complete it, I appreciate that. But why the fuck is it even in the game? Yeah, I don't, I don't know we'll never know but yeah so that's a thing that sucks Uh, also like beyond that there's a lot of set pieces that are kind of in the same vein where like you have to like swim underwater or like you have to escape from a train or something and
1: like and all that stuff's in the tail end of that campaign the underground segment and the weird like train chase all that stuff's in the last like three hours? Yeah and I, yeah. and I feel like that's where some of that having to work it into other campaigns that they wanted to introduce came in, and that's that's how you got away from those segments that felt a little more core Resident Evil.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I think that like those parts are ultimately a pretty small part of the experience, and like the bulk of it really is just this run-and-gun RE4-plus type of gameplay and it's actually really fun like i think that if you like the evil within and you like the newer remakes you kind of owe it to yourself to play the leon campaign of re6 or at least to like try it yeah Um, i think
1: if you look hard enough you could find uh especially or mostly on pc anyway like you could probably find find this game for three dollars or something yeah. Which is probably worth it just for Leon's campaign. I feel like I've seen it get to $5 or so on PS4. So. Yeah. You know, depending on what your money's worth to you. It might be worth yeah. playing just for Leon's. Leon's bit.
0: I got it in the Steam sale for like 5 bucks, and I super don't regret that. I mean. The other thing is like, I really like that style of game. Like, I love the Evil Within. I love Resident Evil 4. Yeah. And so it's like if a game has that style and it's good, like I want to play it and this game has that style. Like I can't be the only person who thinks that, you know?
1: Yeah. I think this would have been, I think it would, I, I think it would have changed the whole trajectory of the franchise if they would have made six, like a, a dolled up version of four. Like if you just kind of kept the, the first few hours of Leon's campaign style, but you, you added in more of the fun, like merchant gun buying, upgrading elements, and all that stuff. Like this game would have been way better, and I think it. I think like seven never would have happened if they would have done that.
0: Yeah, which is so that's an interesting thing too. Like I think this game. Well, the, the reason that I wanted to talk about the way that fans view the series and the way that fans react to games relative to this game is that I feel like the fan reaction to it is really, really weird. Because to me, this game feels like an embryonic version of the remakes. And now, with the remakes, Capcom is basically splitting the series into two, right? like They're kind of saying, okay, we have these remakes so that we can do this style of gameplay, which is literally the style that Resident Evil 6 is in. Uh, and then they also have these main series games so that they can try other things. And that's kind of like seven is like that other thing. But the thing to me that I don't understand is like, why if seven, if you accept my premise that I laid out in the episode about seven, that like, is kind of only half of a great game and it's kind of like half of a shitty game. (laughs) (laughs) like why is seven so much better than six for having an early part that's really good if six literally takes all the shitty parts and just pulls them out of the main campaign like i actually really appreciate that six is just like listen here's the good part and then if for some freakish reason you like Resident evil (laughs) five or you really want more (laughs) of this shit here's three more modes that are all like pretty fucking horrible like I actually really, really appreciate Resident Evil 6's candor as opposed to 7 where it's like it starts out great and then it ends shitty to the point where like I've played it twice and I'm good. Like I don't even yeah. really ever want to play that game again. I think the second play of that game was not good.
1: Yeah, I feel like when I remember 7, I I think about the first house the like the, your first hour or so in that game. Um and the like swamp house yeah where the where where the the flies and stuff are like I don't I didn't mind like the main house and all the jack stuff or the the weird like fun house bit but that's probably a point where you start to see a turn in that game and then it goes really really uh, downhill after that yeah Um, yeah like in my mind it's always going to be like you're in a shitty creaky like texas chainsaw massacre house yeah which is way more exciting than than any of the shoehorned in resident evil quote-unquote stuff yeah so i mean we'll see we'll see what eight brings us yeah than a giant goth lady
0: yeah we know we're getting that we know that's in the male gamers just
1: call and, me. Her, th- and her three horny daughters yeah
0: Yeah, just shut the fuck up about it already. We get it, okay? You (laughs) masturbate. Everybody does. Jesus fucking Christ. Did you know
1: she's ever nine feet tall, though?
0: Wow. If you include her hat and high heels, Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. Video games were a fucking mistake. (laughs) Uh, Well, no, it's like, I think the more I've talked to people about the Resident Evil 6 games, the more my brain is just, like, warping, and I want to just, like, go go live in a cave because it's so frustrating because, like... I feel like people just pick and choose which games they decide are good almost based on nothing.
1: Cause like the truth. Yes, of re- that's literally what people do. <laughs> yeah. Like you're asking people to be extremely self-aware and that just, that doesn't happen in the <laughs> real world and regular life and a damn sure ain't going to happen in video games.
0: Yeah. Like I should just accept that, but I'm having a hard time. Okay. Uh, but I think like seven, you know, well seven and six, both benefit from accepting a certain premise that I've also been banging on about for two fucking years now, which is like video games are a thing you do for fun. They're not homework. You don't have to finish them. Like you don't have to hundred percent complete them. You can just jump off when you stop having fun. I think with seven, I sort of get the impulse to finish it because it's not broken up at all. Like, In the episode, I kind of posited that it's sort of broken up into three chunks, which it is. But the authors of the game didn't make that clear. You know, there isn't like a black screen and it's like end of chapter two. Now it's
1: chapter three. Like, yeah, um, I think thematically they're broken up into chunks. But I feel that that game has somewhat of a forward momentum. Yeah, that I never I didn't really lose interest in playing it. Or be like, man, I really wish this segment was just over now until like the point w- when it got to that point for me, it was literally the final 30 minutes and I already knew it was the final 30 minutes. So I just dealt with it. Sure. But I'd say for the most part, like despite not liking some parts as much as prior ones, I still wanted to, to keep pushing through it. Yeah. But yeah. I'd say thematically, it's definitely there's definitely some different creative minds helming those different chunks I think or it feels that way.
0: Yeah and so that's a game where like I feel like me telling people not to finish it I wish they would still listen to me but I get why they wouldn't because the game is one big chunk and I and I wrote about this in an essay that's on the Patreon but like I think with something like Resident Evil 6 like I said I actually appreciate what they did with the game more because I feel like moving the bits that are different and in a different style and maybe wouldn't appeal to like the person who the core of the game would appeal to into different modes and different sections actually does a lot more for me. And I think it's weird that fans have turned on this game so hard when it's like, no, 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 no. They're being very honest with you here. Like they're showing you that it's like, hey, are you just a Resident Evil 4 fan or whatever? Like play Leon's campaign you don't have to play the rest of the game. But if you are a big fan of all these characters and all these gameplay styles and you loved Resident Evil 5, then guess what? There's 30 hours of game for you, you know? But I feel like the dollar, the value per dollar impulse and the half to 100% it impulse oh, yes. are so strong with gamers that like, it makes them shit on games that I think are actually like pretty solid. Like Leon's campaign, in resident evil six. If you know that it's going to be goofy and stupid and have some really dated stuff from the seventh gen, it's solid as fuck. Like I had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, it's definitely a a cost issue. I think for a lot of people, because I think, I think even when people buy a game for $7, some part of their brain still won't detach from the fact that it launched at a certain price. And so they're gonna have at least some part of their mind made up that a game is either good or bad to some degree based on what's in it, like now and what it costs when it came out. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why that that's a thing that people can't really divorce in their brains, but they can't. It's Uh, so frustrating. And I'm, I think, I feel like a lot of people played it closer when it came out. You know, because I feel like most people who like Resident Evil games tend to play them close to launch, so they they pay closer to full price so maybe a lot of people felt shitty about paying you know 40 to $60 for a game that they either felt had 10 hours of fun gameplay total or it just wasn't fun at all yeah and I mean and that's a whole other discussion of you know why would someone pay $50 for a 10 hour game and love it and then they pay the same price for a game that's 50 hours long and they only get like 10 to 15 hours of enjoyment out of it and they hate the rest and so they feel ripped off it, it's I've been fighting that battle since the since the 6th gen probably
0: yeah I just don't understand it cause like well I've primarily played on PC since I started playing games again even when I was like buying games as they came out back in the 6th gen like I was mostly buying stuff used or trying to find deals on shit like I don't know if I can't if I don't think something's gonna be worth my money I won't buy it like when I I don't buy a lot of games compared to most people who seem to be like very into video games and like so I make the decision like oh okay I'm going to make this choice this is a serious choice and like I vaguely understand the value per dollar impulse and the kind of, like, hour-counting impulse. I'm not saying that, like, I don't understand it at all or I think people are, like, dumb for, like, feeling that way or following that impulse. I I don't want to say that. But I do feel like people need to start fighting that impulse because ultimately it just takes away from your enjoyment of games. Like, you'll never enjoy a game more because you feel like wow this is such a good value (laughs) like and i mean clearly we know now that like gamers don't understand how money works based on the comment (laughs) sections of articles about game stonks like uh but i feel like people need to just start looking at these purchases as like okay i'm taking a calculated risk so if i want to wait till something's on sale or find a cheap key that's A much smaller calculated risk or if I'm really excited I want to play the game now that's a much bigger calculated risk and if you come out the other side saying hey like this this sucked this wasn't worth my money it is what it is like you can say this game sucked you can maybe you know engage in people in discourse of like hey this game sucked or whatever but like it shouldn't be like I can't believe I wasted my money like I really think that's only reserved for stuff that straight up doesn't work and most storefronts will let you get a refund if the game straight up doesn't work. Because if it straight up doesn't work, you can't play it for 50 hours.
1: <laughs> not to you know. derail into a whole half hour segment about um, class issues and gaming. but That's
0: exactly what I want to do. The
1: impression I get a lot is a lot of the people who complain that they're buying a game for $60 and it's not a 400 hour video game are people with money. Yes. And it's... I like I I just yeah, I don't like everyone seems to have like a really disconnected view of <laughs> of like their own economic situation and then everyone's on like a broader scale. And yeah. I just I don't I don't it's it's so just bizarre for me. And like so when someone is complaining about how they they spent what they consider a lot of money on something and they they didn't get it. They feel like they didn't get enough enjoyment out of it or their enjoyment was cut short by the length like if they're a poor person like I kind of feel for that like you absolutely want your money to go a little further right but I feel like the majority of the people making the this is unfair this is a waste of money how dare they do this to me argument are people who like didn't remember paying literally $100 at launch for a SNES game because yeah. their, parents, their parents paid for it. And then when they became adults with their you know accountant jobs or whatever, they're like, oh, I can't believe that I only played fucking The Division 2 for 1,500 hours, and then I had to buy an expansion? Yeah. I had to spend $90 on 2,000 hours of video game? Unbelievable. <laughs> and it's yeah. just so bizarre, and I'm just so fucking tired of it, Dude, I hate, like yeah. I literally like I work so much, everyone knows that I work so much, and people closer to me have heard plenty of personal stories about my work situation, and i like I literally stare at my monitor for half an hour before I buy a twenty dollar game, yeah, and like not because I'm like, well, I sure hope I get more than eight hours out of this, I'm just in my brain, I'm like, well, like could that money go to something more important in my life? And then I'm like, no, it's fine. I'll buy this. I should buy this for myself because my brain doesn't do mental gymnastics to justify buying a $10 fucking fast food combo. I just do it. And then when Uh I get it and it sucks, I'm just like, (laughs) that's just how it goes. Sometimes it just sucks. But yeah, no one, no one does that with a video game ever. They'll spend $15 on sale on some game and they'll be like, Oh, this was a waste of my money. And I'm like, Man, a fucking Big Mac is a waste of your money on literally every single level. But you do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, can you not just find a way to enjoy this thing? Like, you're supposed to enjoy video games. There's literally no other reason to play. There's no reason to play them other than enjoying <laughs> them, period. Unless it is your job to talk about them. Yeah. So, you just... If it seems kind of... Be- like, just just stick with it. Just give it some time. And if you really hate it, then just never play it again and move on. You don't have to go on a fucking eight year long tirade about how you were fucking hoodwinked out of your money.
0: Well, yeah, I man. Yeah, you you hit a lot of points there that I am very, very fired up about all the time and I constantly bring up. But it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't make a lot of money. And so, yeah, I'm very conservative with how I spend money and especially on stuff like video games, which you don't need. At the end of the day, you don't need any of them. Turns out
1: they're not necessary for a (laughs) living.
0: Exactly.
1: I mean, despite what people would have you believe.
0: Yeah. And so that's why these conversations always frustrate me, because like I said, I look at it the same way that I would look at anything else that I buy. That's not like an absolute necessity where it's like, okay. Like, I'm taking a risk on this. It might be good. It might be bad. It might help me in some way, or it might not help me. And honestly, it's just so strange because at this point, you have so many avenues of power as a consumer. You have so many places you can go and leave a review and have your voice be heard. And somehow, paradoxically, that's made people just like more angry and incensed like Mm -hmm. it used to be that you were just buying, like you were a kid spending your fucking money you made like doing odd jobs around the neighborhood like for months to buy one shitty fucking game and when it sucked you couldn't even jump online and call someone a racial slur over it
1: like (laughs) and somehow now that people can and frequently do that like listen dude speak for yourself i was sending death threats to the looney tunes snes game developer
0: (laughs) see that's fucking sick but like yeah like somehow it's made people angrier and more likely to lash out as if they are powerless but I, th- I think it's like what you're saying it's almost like this problem of like the idle rich or something mm-hmm. where it's like and, and yeah that's why I think it's funny sometimes when I see websites uh, that do a lot of opinion content or essay content try and kind of frame it as like this like gamers are the working class and, and all this kind of no, things Jesus. and it's like I, I mean, gamers obviously are not a monolith, as the old saying goes, but I especially think when we start talking about economic issues, when we start talking about, uh, yeah, issues of who can afford gaming, which is literally the name of an episode that's on the Patreon right now. We're mm-hmm. like, about to do part two. <laughs> this is literally part two. When you get into those issues, you suddenly realize it's like, oh, wow, like, Everybody's financial situation is different. And especially in America where like there is no safety net anymore. There is no middle class anymore. Like people are all over the place. Like I seem to be a pretty put together person. Like my clothes are clean. I own a car, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And yet, like I'm extremely, like, almost comically poor. Like <laughs> due to a bunch of like personal situations <laughs> throughout my life that have led mm-hmm. to me like I don't have credit. I don't have savings. I live paycheck to paycheck and I'm a freelancer. Like it's, it's actually kind of funny if I take a step back mm-hmm. um, or if I'm like extremely high, but like, <laughs> that's just an, inter- an interesting thing. Cause it's like, well, like I said, I'm still pretty put together and I still like, it's led to me to have this thing of like, well, if I want something small and I can afford it, like if I, like I just bought the medium and I played that, that cost me $40 and like i don't regret it it was really fun i'm definitely gonna play it again with monica at
1: some point point. Well, it and costs like, me one dollar so, oh, wow. so you can get three months of game yeah. pass for a dollar and play the medium
0: yeah but it's just like that sort of thing where it's like that's okay and i'm just gonna say that's okay because also like tons of other games that i've had to cover for the show that i've purchased like i've waited forever until they're like two dollars and then I've bought them or like when I got my graphics card, it took me an entire year because the market fluctuates so much of tracking two different graphics card cards and waiting for one of them to drop to the price point that I wanted, etc. etc. You get where I'm going with this. It's like mm-hmm. I'm so just like budget conscious all the time that when I decide to jump out the window and say, OK, I'm going to buy this new game, I'm accepting the risk and I absolutely wouldn't do it if I couldn't afford it you know if it's like oh I need to pay my car insurance <laughs> like it's not which is like my monthly car insurance payment was like the same price I paid for The Last of Us 2 which makes me want to bash my head against the wall until it fucking <laughs> bleeds but like on on multiple levels yeah yes uh, f- yeah exactly exactly <laughs> uh, but like that's the point is like I wouldn't do that if it, if it was going to like harm me in some way but yeah like when you look at Kotaku comments or people on forums or whatever it's like they're not mad about the price of games for that reason. They're mad about the price of games because they hate women and they're insecure white men, usually.
1: <laughs> usually.
0: And it's like, I don't... I don't get it. And so like, I I don't know, this year, like the whole theme of this year of programming on Zero Brightness is me looking at things that everybody hates and like trying to understand it because it's like, I think a lot of this stuff is literally just like knee-jerk. Like, some of it is is bad. Like, Resident Evil 5 is like legitimately bad, but Resident Evil 6 is not bad. And I it mean, feels more and more to me like people just collectively decided it sucks.
1: You're a true contrarian in the sense that you um, don't understand why anyone likes what they like. And you want to understand why they hate the things that they hate and <laughs> an attempt to like them instead of hate them.
0: Well, yeah. Cause <laughs> I don't know. I feel like for the first couple of years of this show, especially in the early days, this show got a rep as being like negative and mm. f- just from talking to people who had joined the community or whatever, like not to say that it was like super negative because there were good messages. Like the messaging is good. You know, it's like, Oh, like, you know, people should be treated equally <laughs> and like, fuck the police. Like, you know, positive messages.
1: Yeah. I think that people do this thing where when they're neurotypical, they think if you if you point out a lot of negative things all of the time, then, like, that's bad. Yeah. That, like, the content is somehow worse. And since you're not two white dudes making jokes and laughing every 30 seconds, it's, like, not the ideal podcasting experience or something. Because <laughs> that's been me my whole life is, you know, me being, like, a weird, scared child, essentially, for my entire life. I'm always having to grapple with all of the terrible things in the world and think about them and like i wish i could just make sixty thousand dollars a year and and not think about human trafficking literally every two hours but that's just the way my brain works and like if i want to throw that into the the deep discourse on why horny gamers are bad or something like that isn't that's not like negative content i don't think
0: But I also feel like there was this kind of, like, gleeful tearing down of games that would happen that... Oh, that still happens. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not, like, opposed to, you know? Because sometimes it is just fun to be like, wow, this really sucks. But it's also like, I also, like, have a fully functioning brain. And, like, (laughs) I should be able to... For me, I felt like I should be able to come up with something better than that sure. mm-hmm. like even the most just like flatly negative episodes like i would sort of try to understand like oh maybe why people like this or why this is the way it is and but i would always just derail and i i honestly find those episodes unlistenable and in retrospect i i purely hate them um and i think like to me now i'm just much more interested in yeah like trying to understand something maybe see the good in it or like talking to someone who likes it like that's something that I'm going to be doing more and more of because it's like I want if there's something I don't understand I want to understand you know and maybe not even just for myself like I'm not trying to get into the thing but I just I want to understand <laughs> I want
1: there to be like different perspectives on well things. there's something to be said for spreading understanding in the, in the greater gaming community
0: yeah Well that was the whole point of the show in the first place. And once I think that's some of the misunderstanding that maybe got me labeled as negative is that like this is critique. Like you're critiquing something. So Yeah. yeah. You point out the things that are good, you also point out the things that are bad. And I think that's something that a lot of gamers don't understand because it's just a very immature hobby generally and like the attitudes are very immature. So it's like if you like something, you cannot hear someone say something bad otherwise you have to like hate them for the rest of your life
1: well you know you hate dead space so i quit
0: yeah yeah
1: for (laughs) sure (laughs) well and
0: that's even like that episode that episode sucked for a lot of reasons in my opinion and i really would have liked to have just like talked to you rather than rather than do the episode i did just because it's like and I don't even think I should have covered that game, which is also, that was a big influence for me just being like, I'm not going to do gamer re- like straight up game reviews anymore. Cause like I shouldn't have talked about that game. I have nothing. I have literally nothing to say about that game. Like it doesn't speak to me. It doesn't no. grab me. Like me trying to talk about it is honestly like dishonest or disingenuous. Cause like I do dislike it, but I also don't have some like deep or important or worthwhile reason for disliking it. Like,
1: I just it just didn't you just, grab me. you just you just don't care, which is you know, it's fine. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's hard it's hard to convey to some people that like there are just some things that you don't care about and they're like, Oh no, 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 you don't understand. I'm like, No, you don't understand. <laughs> I just don't care and I'm not telling you I think it's bad or pointless or stupid. I just I have no desire for this thing. Yeah. Like there are so many things that I can consume and at this stage in my life this just isn't there it doesn't matter what you think is in it or what you see in it like I just I'm not interested and that's not like a hateful thing from me or something I just Mm -hmm. don't care yeah neutral and some people just can't like process that information so I could understand you not wanting to talk about that space and if you ever want to talk about that space too I I can talk (laughs) about that space too
0: (laughs) yeah I mean if it fits into an episode, maybe, but I'm not planning on. I'll say that much.
1: <laughs> but like the 10 year retrospective on ZB is going to uh, be talking about Dead Space 2.
0: That's just it. It's just a Dead Space 2 convo. An interview. It's <laughs> just me interviewing you about Dead Space 2. Mm-hmm. No, I think like I think that's true, and I think it's even more like pronounced in me because and like this is something I've talked about over and over, but I I think people legitimately don't understand that like. I took an entire decade off of playing any new video games. Mm-hmm. Like I missed out purposefully. Like I, I wasn't like I wasn't in jail. Like I, ch- I made this choice because <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> yeah, plot twist. I am not a felon. <laughs>
1: had, had me fooled.
0: <laughs> like I made this choice because I was like video games are going in a direction that is not interesting to me. The games in this style I've played, I don't enjoy generally, or I don't enjoy enough to put the investment into it. Kind of actually, this really ties into what we were talking about, you know, because like I was in I was in college and I was getting started doing music and recording, and it was like, okay, well, if I have extra money, I'm gonna put it into this. I don't it's fine to play these games for an hour on my sister's couch or a couple hours or whatever, but like there's no way that I'm gonna go buy a system and keep buying these games and et cetera, et cetera, when like I don't enjoy them enough. So when I came back into games I had purposefully missed out on a bunch of shit so there's stuff that people talk about that I still am like I don't know what that is and that's like purposeful I literally just don't want to know what it is because I have a pretty narrow band of stuff that I'm interested in and stuff that really like grabs my attention and I think once again that's good like in terms of things that gamers could spend some time developing is like what is your taste? What is your aesthetic? What are the things that grab you like that's so important to a consumer, I think you know
1: yeah, and I think there's there's validity in like the the extreme ends of you're either just knowledgeable on everything and you have that like global context within this medium and then there's and then the like the other side where you just have a hyper focus on some things you like, and that allows you to look at them very specifically and not have to take into consideration a whole like just load of shit like either yeah. of those things are like good and can be used for a project like this
0: yeah well that's like i mean besides just the fact that i like horror in general and that's like mostly what i like is horror like the majority of like movies and video games and novels and shit is horror yeah
1: i mean i i'm there too i mean it's not all horror it's mostly just like drab bullshit but it's you know when it comes when it's my turn to pick something to watch on netflix it's hard because i'm like well i can't pick horror and i can't pick like thematically heavy stuff sometimes like it's you know i also can't pick anime my better half does not like anime screaming she does not like scary yeah that's good so i support you know. i support that, I support that <laughs> like it's choice. a whole it's, you know it's a whole thing like i really like three sorts of things and like i'm i'm often not like into watching a comedy for instance like oh, i can't yeah. i can't resonate with like i don't like people just laughing all the time what's that i don't know <laughs> someone trying to like fight their inner like psychosis Are you sure yeah that's relatable hand me that. I, yeah i didn't really watch comedies until
0: like i met monica it was actually really funny because when we first started dating we got into a bunch of fights because i'd be like i don't really watch comedies and she'd be like oh really that's bullshit and then she would try and make me watch some comedy and i would just be <laughs> fucking miserable the whole time and it would drive her crazy and she'd be like why don't you like this and i was like i don't know like, I, li- I literally don't have an answer. I just am very uncomfortable right now. And uh, I forget the what was, it's the hangover, I think, was the one yeah. where we almost, like, broke up like, <laughs> trying to watch the hangover. I'm like, it's it's really funny. It's, <laughs> it's funny, you know, dude. Shit. It's like, uh, I, that's and the now thing, you're married. Like, and now we're married and we've been together for 10 years. But, like, I do actually like comedies and I watch a fair amount, but they're, there has to be a certain sensibility to it. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I don't really even know how to describe it. I guess it's easy to say like dark comedy, but I don't even know what the fuck that means. Oh, but God. like, dark you know
1: what I'm Q comedy, yeah, sure. dark, dark way. Comedy, I hate that yes. shit, dude. Yeah. I'm doing jerk off motions, dark comedy is so <laughs> stupid.
0: <laughs> well, I don't, even know, that. I don't even know what that means, but it's like shit that has some sort of like, I don't know if like social realism or like just sort of like, darkness to the themes to it i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah. like and and that's I actually really like horror comedy a lot like lately i've been watching a lot of horror comedy because they're just like really fun and they're good to just kind of like get your mind off of shit um but yeah no I, I don't know yeah but that that's like when i decided to start the show or like when i created the show it was like this is what i want to do and a lot of the first thing people would ask me when I tell them I was going to do this was like, are there like, can you actually keep doing that for a long time? Are there enough like games out there? And I was like, yes, but also I don't really care because like that's where my interest is and that's where my expertise is. And I don't really want to do a, a show about anything else like yeah. general gaming does not appeal to me like talking about other topics in gaming mostly like doesn't appeal to me doing some kind of retro nostalgia thing even though i was like way more into and knowledgeable about games from like you know Genesis, Super Nintendo, PS1 and 64 like still doesn't appeal to me like that's just not what i want to do cuz it's not what i'm an expert on you know
1: you got to do what you love and love what you do as yeah, they dude. say as they say <laughs>
0: but i think To kind of bring it back to Resident Evil 6. Oh yeah, it was uh, a long trip. It was
1: a long trip to get back to Resident Evil 6. Is worth $10 or whatever.
0: Yeah, but you said it was going to be 30 minutes and that was 24 (laughs) minutes. So as fucking advertised, Mm -hmm. uh, I think going back to certain games from this time that I skipped and I kind of preemptively decided I wasn't going to like based on a number of factors, it can sometimes be really shocking to just be like oh this is good actually <laughs> like there is something fun and worthwhile like within this game you know and it just makes me trust people even less
1: yeah i mean sex is just you know it's it's total recall you know like it's just a fun thing that you consume it doesn't yeah. have to be like high art it doesn't have to be like the poster child for a genre, it can just be a functional, serviceable experience. Yeah, and like I, you know, playing a co-op is a little more fun. Like it always is. We I, we talked about that in the in the five up. Um, yeah,
0: it was a lot more fun, and even like going into the other campaigns, which are all fucking terrible, like it was actually fun to do it together because you can, like, make fun of the cutscenes and just mm-hmm. be totally incredulous about why they're screaming about BBWs. <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> do we want to talk about those other other At any length, I guess? We talked we about Leon's episode, yeah. but...
0: <laughs> yeah. So, okay... This is all going to be centered around my belief that these were all like extra modes that they wrote into the game with this horrible story and ridiculous cutscenes. But... Yeah,
1: I think in some sense, they definitely just are. Like, yeah. I I firmly believe that Leon's campaign was like the original vision for the sixth game. And then they tried to like shove in a bunch of bullshit because and there's also yeah. there's a there's a, a noticeable like degradation of overall quality. From Leon's to the other ones, like, literally both, like, that you can see on the screen and then, like, from, like, the gameplay perspective.
0: Yes. And so I think that the the first one that's right beneath Leon is Chris. Mm. And uh, Chris has everything that you just said. It has all the hallmarks of it being, you know, b tier. Campaign, but it also, I guess, has an argument against what I'm advocating for, which is that, like, it is a totally different story that has locations and ideas that do not appear in Leon's campaign at all. Now, that said, they're not very good, (laughs) Uh, they're very clunky and linear and largely boring. And they also reappear in the other campaigns. Like, Jake and Sherry's campaign makes you literally replay, like, the most frustrating part that we played in Chris's campaign. Um, And Chris's campaign even opens with kind of a retread of, like, the China area of Leon's campaign. Did they have a fake China? Because they have a fake Eastern European country called, like, Edonia. (laughs) The like
1: sidonia yeah uh, yeah yeah exactly is did uh, they name it like bina or something I don't, jesus christ I, I, don't, I don't i don't want to know honestly <laughs> don't tell I'm us gamers i'm just gonna leave it us. alone yeah um did chris's campaign start with just like you drop into that area or did it start with that horrendous like these were your men like yes, cutscene okay. scene where he's getting drunk in a bar and harassing a female bartender
0: yeah, the Chris's campaign opens with him inexplicably having suffered memory loss until, like, some little dude uh, comes up to him and is like, how could you have forgotten your men that died in the line of action? And he starts flashing them in his face on a little cell phone, and, and that's where we learned of uh, Carl Alfonso, your namesake.
1: <laughs> My temporary namesake, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: and then yeah he's just like being a drunken asshole and uh just and then i guess like he has some sort of like powerful flashback to what happened to his men and he keeps flashing back and forward and
1: well if i remember correctly the whole scene in the bar where he's like they were your men like is just convincing him to come back to work and then in the middle of them like doing their mission he remembers a bunch of stuff and maybe yeah. I'm like a little confused maybe it's I, I, I don't know that it, it's a mess anyways I'm not going to try to pull it apart and reason it out but that is correct it's extreme it's, it's extremely hokey basically Chris veteran of gi- blowing up boulders and giant monsters like repressed the memory of like some people dying on his watch yeah yeah <laughs> And to the point that he just goes to harass women in bars. So yeah. Love that for Chris.
0: (laughs) It sucks. (laughs) And like (laughs) as much as we played of Chris's campaign, like,
1: I mean, we, we almost finished it. I looked it up and we, we were getting close, but we just broke down.
0: Yeah. Cause like Chris's campaign, either surprisingly or unsurprisingly, depending on what you expect, basically has all the same problems as Resident Evil 5. Like, even with the upgraded mechanics, the increased speed and agility, uh, they still jack up the action so much Mm -hmm. and they make the enemies so powerful that it's just frustrating to play. It's not fun. You're getting killed all the time. There's tons of bad QTEs and stupid um, set pieces that just simply don't work. Um, it's just fucking bad. And I don't know why we played that much of it. I mean it was fun. It was fun to make fun of it and just fun to hang out, but like it was not a fun experience.
1: I think at that point maybe we were still under the assumption that we were gonna try to play the entire video game until we started to realize how long that might take and know what that would mean for our individual sanities. But
0: Yeah well so then the
1: other two campaigns uh we just dabbled in well i have not i didn't play adas that was okay that was all okay we did play jake
0: yeah i'll tell you about it (laughs) yeah so the next campaign on the list down is jake which once again who the fuck is jake who cares who jake is because
1: jake's a fucking asshole if i remember what i gained through osmosis i believe he is wesker's son well yeah he's Troy Her Baker clone son I uh, yeah, yeah yeah literally yeah. he's just some dude that Troy Baker could voice to make so that makes him more important than uh an actual recurring character from the franchise yeah. who you've not seen since the second game
0: yeah like when Sherry runs into Leon's campaign we were both like oh shit like what happened there? She's like a federal agent now. Like et cetera, She et looks like
1: Ashley Graham.
0: Yeah, they made they made her a stand-in for Ashley. Uh there's questions, and instead of like focusing on that, they're like, look at this cool badass guy. Um and their campaign is terrible. Uh it's sort of like a mix between Chris and Leon, but with the difficulty turned way up. I wouldn't uh, even say it's a
1: mix. I think it's just a worse version of Chris's campaign
0: yeah but they also
1: opening was just yeah the no ammo the like random explosions that are just knocking you over and it doesn't tell you where to go yeah terrible
0: yeah it i think the reason that i would say it's a mix is just that it has a few more survival horror elements but it's ultimately just a bad action game um it's very annoying There's a lot of traversal stuff that just doesn't Mm. work and I found to be extremely off-putting. Jake uh, frequently turns into Crash the Bandicoot and he uh, has to do like platforming. That's like really hilarious. You literally
1: knock down red bars for him to swing on. Yeah. And the, the best part of that whole thing was like you couldn't even argue for it just being in the area you start in because when you arrive at the earlier Chris segment where you have to replay that whole thing again. Yeah. All those areas have little poles you can knock down so Jake can do his little gymnast swing. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so... It's just not good. I just don't... I don't... And a point that I haven't brought up here is that 600 people worked on this game. (laughs) Six fucking hundred people made this video game uh, yeah like I, uh hyper light drifter was made by four people yeah four fucking people yeah 600 600 people cannot make a video game with a compelling reason for why this dude who is maybe super powered and sherry's also super powered but she can't she can't spin on these things but this dude can yeah and why why is it even happening in the first place because i'm sure if i went to a fictional european nation and was fighting bbws um (laughs) i wouldn't be finding things to like pole vault on and and spin around and stuff that's just not a thing i'd be doing
0: it's exactly like in the second jurassic park movie where that Mm -hmm. like preteen girl randomly does like parallel bar gymnastics to kill a velociraptor
1: oh tight i mean i do that that's just that's just another
0: day you know yeah that's just wednesday dude Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really fucking bad um and i think that these campaigns all have the same problem in my opinion that once again reminds me of five which is where you feel the limitations of the move set and the control set Like, in Leon's campaign, you never feel limited because you don't need to use the cover system. You don't need to ever, like, crouch or sneak or do anything. Like, you literally have to do all the same things you did in Resident Evil 4. When you get to Chris's campaign, you're suddenly like, oh, I wish I could use the cover system, but it's super shitty and broken. Like, it barely works, and when it does, the controls for it make no sense
1: so it functions but the control scheme that you use to utilize it are completely unintuitive you, yeah. you will not play a single other video game with a cover system that utilizes that control scheme and and depending on like the combat arena you're in it might not even matter that you have cover you might still just be taking damage from something anyway like they like yeah. the areas aren't designed with cover in mind they i guess just decided that since they introduced characters with guns in the last game they needed to finally offer you some way to protect yourself
0: yeah (laughs) but it's it's hilarious because like they literally just could have put in a crouch and it would have solved every single issue and they didn't and i think that's felt really really strongly in uh, ada's campaign Mm. So, I played maybe, like, 45 minutes of Ada's campaign, and uh, holy shit, it's very bad. Uh, There's a video of it on our Patreon, and you can watch me suffer through it blindly my first time. And, uh, yeah, it's super fucking bad. It basically opens with, like, a stealth section, but once again, you can't crouch so it's like really absurd and so you're gonna trigger these enemies and when you do they all come rushing at you and they're all super powered and they all just like completely destroy you if you get past that part you're in more just repetitive combat arenas except yeah once again you can't crouch and this whole section would have been like 50 percent better if you could just fucking crouch and they just won't give it to you so instead you're just wrestling with the controls and the cover system and it's truly truly miserable uh and yeah that's like when i was playing all these modes they all had those same problems they just got worse and worse and worse as they went on and the use of the like repetitive areas the reused assets just the The general like boring broken nature of it it kind of made me feel like oh yeah this is just like the mercenaries mode which was never a draw for me in the older games or just like
1: the the ada chapter in the ps2 version of resident evil 4 where you just replay an area or a snippet of an area as ada
0: yeah so it's kind of like i'm once again i'm just a little bit frustrated that people don't just view it that way and instead, I can imagine a lot of people just bang their head against this entire game and were like, this God. is terrible when it's like, I, no, I dude, can't even feel
1: bad for someone who did that. Like, if you did that, that's that's on you. <laughs> they signposted how bad this game was so many times. And if you decided you needed to play the entire thing, that's just you are personally responsible for that action. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> well, and it's interesting, too, because like a lot of the weird stuff that doesn't totally work in this game, like the cover system or the fact that you can shoot from the ground, which is something we haven't talked about at all. Cause like you yeah. never need to do it really.
1: I guess it's just an option in case you get down. Like, cause I, I'm sure if you get down, there's then the opportunity for an enemy to like get on top of you. So it's probably just a, a way to stop that from happening. But I feel like anytime I got knocked down, I could just get back up. But we were playing co-op. Yeah. So maybe yeah. when you play with an AI partner, they're less reliable. Um, there's also yeah. a cute little like quick shot that you can do. Yeah, a little like hip fire, like literal hip fire. Like you just hold it at your hip. <laughs> it's yeah. Kinda, it's kinda um, yeah, it's kind of
0: cute. Yeah, it's just stuff like, like that. stuff like that is just in Leon's campaign, but you don't really need to use it. So I feel like those sort of mechanics didn't bother me or take away from the game at all. But then in the other modes, they do. But I'm just going to keep arguing that they're just wildly inessential.
1: Like, I if mean, you want to play most, this game. Most yeah. of the game turns out wildly inessential. <laughs> the hard recommendation here is to just play through Leon's campaign and skip the rest. You can read the wiki synopsis, which I'm reading the final paragraph of, and... Jeez Louise. <laughs> yeah, I have
0: no idea what's going on with the plot. But I had I had a lot of fun playing... Leon's section, like it's actually fun.
1: Yeah, I think official show recommendation is get a friend and play Leon's section.
0: Yeah, and even like, I don't know, I think this game too is one of the first Resident Evil games, like along with Resident Evil 4, I think, that's like mechanically sound enough that even when it's not like firing on all cylinders, it's still kind of fun. Like when I recorded that video of me playing Ada's campaign for the Patreon, like, I wanted to turn it off after five minutes, but then I just kept playing it, and by the time I got to the almost hour mark, I was like, I'm kind of still having fun. Like, there's something wrong with me or this game where it can just sort of, like, (laughs) torture you, and it's still kind of fun, but I think it's literally just that, like, the core mechanics of this game are very solid. It's just all those side missions and everything outside of Leon's campaign kind of stretches the game design too far to the point where they break those systems and the game
1: just doesn't work anymore. I'll say it again. Please don't play anything but Leon's campaign. <laughs> don't touch anything else ever. There it is. And even when you play Leon's campaign, you got to you got to tune your brain a little bit to prepare for some 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 cheese ball stuff but it's like it's fun cheeseball in the way that like the first two resident evil 2 movies are yeah like it's it's just dumb in a fun way and the, and the, the gameplay is like modern enough that you you're not like fighting really inconsistent like scenarios while trying to consume this like middling dumb story
0: yeah totally and even like some of the questionable stuff that's in this game which like okay here brief discussion of this so this game is super horny and also super misogynistic (laughs) (laughs) um but i think in leon's campaign once again it's pretty light like i would say that it's yeah to the levels of the movies like there's a lot of times in the movies where it's like why is mila jovovich
1: naked like yeah i think the i think the worst horny offense in the and his campaign is just the the, the naked lady part. Um, yeah. And her boss battle. Yeah. Uh, I think otherwise it's fine. There's like, there's a lot, the main horniness comes from the weird tension that a lot of characters share, which is shared between all of them. Like the yes. way everyone acts in this game is extremely like they're all panting and it feels <laughs> like everyone has a boner while they're talking. <laughs> it's really weird
0: yeah it doesn't matter who's talking to who or what's going on like
1: everybody it's just yeah there's just always a there's just always a a tension in the air i guess
0: yeah but yeah there's also this like weird misogynistic undercurrent that like explodes in like chris's and in jake's Mm -hmm. campaign where it's just like women huh why respect respect them at all and I, I assume it's just like a byproduct of them writing like it's a shitty, shitty action movie, but it is jarring. Like I mean, one of the first cutscenes in Jake's campaign, he says something like that, and we both just went, Whoa <laughs> Like, Yeah, where he, did literally, that come he literally
1: he literally makes a like women Am I Right fellas joke. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: that shit is not in Leon's campaign. Leon just has a girl carrying her sister in a way that is way too horny and inappropriate.
1: Yeah, her sister's basically just dressed like Kaine from the first New Year game. <laughs> the Kaine you have at home.
0: Yeah, people still go to bat for that garbage, so fuck you guys. Oh yeah,
1: well, co- they're all gonna go to bat for a game where there's a lady with her like titums barely covered. <laughs> that's, just, that's just how gamers work. <laughs>
0: the thing is though, it's anime. <laughs>
1: well there's a deep there's a really deep story you just you just you just have to understand okay she's like she's got problems
0: man the castlevania netflix show is not anime, okay it's not
1: <laughs> but it is <laughs> who told you it's not who told you that
0: <laughs> the internet dude them net boys oh really?
1: huh. yeah dude. Oh, the, ne- the, the net boys <laughs> the little
0: net boys dude they jumped they jumped out and yelled that at me so i heard it <laughs>
1: <laughs> when they said it, I felt that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. My face when the Netflix <laughs> Castlevania show is an anime, big time. Yeah, it's it's just like, the Leon campaign is fine. It's, it's fun. It's like this weird, proto, slightly shitty version of Evil Within, which is already a weird, proto, slightly shitty version of Evil Within 2, which is already some bizarre BBW mutation of Resident Evil 4. So... If yeah. you're into that world of things, like stop focusing on the fact that there's a bunch of other stuff in the game that you don't have to play and is totally optional that isn't good. Stop focusing on the fact that it's a Resident Evil game or that it was released for $60 or that it's not going to provide you with 12,000 hours of enjoyment. Just, like, have some fun. Enjoy. Here, here's, a, here's a revolutionary thought for 2021. Enjoy a video game.
1: <laughs> Enjoy video games? I'd rather just play 3,000 hours of Dota 2 yeah exactly
0: and then spew hate speech in the comments of polygon
1: i'm gonna spend six thousand dollars on a streamer office in my house buy three thousand dollar headphones and then just play dota 2 non- and then stop. make
0: videos about the new ninja streamer drama
1: god please okay please stop
0: playing resident evil 6 was kind of a crazy ride for me Mostly because it really did justify and just re-entrench a lot of the things that I've been saying on this show since literally the first episode. Things like, you should only play as much of a game as you find to be fun and enjoyable. If you stop having fun, stop playing the game. I also think that when you approach a series like Resident Evil... There's just so many entries, and there's so many people who have played them, that just about any commentary needs to be taken with a grain of salt. I think that when a series gets to this point in its lifespan and its popularity, you're gonna find people who just want to jump out the window and say some crazy hot take for the sake of saying the hot take. You're also going to find a lot of people that don't have the same background or context with the series that you do in either direction. Maybe you're a newer fan who just jumped in the last few years. Maybe you've been a fan since day one. I think within the series, there's going to be something there for you regardless of what kind of fan you are. But if you're going to stick with the series and keep following it, you're going to need to be okay with the devs doing weird shit and trying new things. And the parent company, Capcom, trying to contort the series into new positions in order to fill spaces that it sees in the marketplace. If you have been following the series this long, you should know that that's just what they do. I think going back and revisiting some of these games is really all about finding the enjoyment that you can find within whatever game. It can be useful to talk to people and get opinions, obviously, but like I said, some of that shit needs to be taken with a grain of salt. I think within Resident Evil 6, despite the fact that it's sprawling and has multiple campaigns and tries to be this epic story thing, blah blah blah, at its core, there is a very fun 10 hour game that you can play offline or online, although it's more fun online. That really hits a lot of notes for people who like Resident Evil 4 and the later spiritual successors to that game. It's easy to get bogged down in discussions of if the other modes are good, or is the whole game worth playing, or is it worth $20, or whatever. But at the heart of it, if you're a Resident Evil 4 fan and an Evil Within fan, Leon's campaign in Resident Evil 6 is like, really, really fun. I have been talking a lot in these new episodes about what I'm trying to do with the show or what I want to do with the show, and I think the reason is that I have been kind of going through my own little weird crisis of like, what do I like about games? What do I like about doing this show? And ultimately, I think it's just trying to have fun, trying to connect with people, you know, trying to have a good time with your friends. And in that regard, Leon's campaign in Resident Evil Six kind of fucking rocks. <laughs> and. I actually think it's really worth checking out if you like any of those things. If you don't, you don't. Don't worry about it. There are other Resident Evil games, old and new, for you to check out and enjoy. You know, even for myself, I'll admit that I'm not the most hyped for Resident Evil 8 because I don't get what they're trying to do with it yet. I think the way that they've been rolling it out and the things they've been showing have just been kind of confusing to me. I don't think it looks bad, I just don't understand what they're trying to do. And yet, even given that, I'm just trying to keep an open mind and just hoping that the game is going to be fun. There have been some pretty interesting suggestions, like the game is going to have an aesthetic that's closer to Resident Evil 4, but it may also have an open world structure. That sounds cool to me. Even if I don't understand the hype around Tall Lady or why there are werewolves or the brief cutscenes we've seen with Big Beefy Chris, I'm just going to try and hope for the best and keep an open mind, which I think is sort of the only way to approach a Resident Evil game. Resident Evil 6 is easy to hate if you go in thinking, let's play the worst game in the series. But if you go in, just try and have a good time for about 10 hours with a friend. I kind of think you can't go wrong. I had a ton of fun making this episode. I hope you had fun listening to it. And I'll see you in the next one.